Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Off Ballet Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Bourget. I hope you've all been enjoying this gorgeous New England weather lately and have been able to get some climbing in, or if not, have at least enjoyed the sunshine. The world feels pretty good lately. I think between restrictions lifting and the weather being nice, events are starting to happen again. The world just feels good, I think. Rich and Mara, along with Mara's husband, Josiah, are all currently across the country in Oregon, living the temporary van life and getting to explore some new climbing areas. So, pretty exciting. We'll be back with our next full-length episode in the very near future, so stay tuned for that. I'm super excited about our next guest, and I'm sure everyone will be just as in awe of her as I am after our interview. Real quick shout out to our sponsors. Hammer and Hops Brewing Company is a proud sponsor of the Off Ballet podcast and has always been supportive of the climbing community, despite not being climbers themselves. Hammer and Hops is owned by a husband and wife duo based out of Sturbridge, Mass, and specializes in unique flavors with locally sourced ingredients. You know how some sours are just trying too hard? Not the case here. Their flavors are unique, but not too much for your taste buds to process, which is a nice change of speed from some of the stuff that's out there now. Keep an eye out for new flavors and brewery updates on Instagram at Hammer and Hops Brewing. Go support a local family and reward the parietal part of your brain. That's the one that lets you taste stuff while you're at it. Cheers. The Off Ballet Podcast is now also brought to you by our friends at Central Rock Gym. That's right, CRG is officially joining the Off Ballet team. CRG is a family-owned business and has 15 locations throughout the Northeast, including Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and New York. The climbing community in this area wouldn't be who we are without CRG when you think about it. Besides their impressive number of -of state-of-the-art facilities, they've been around since 2009, which is longer than most gyms and certainly longer than most of your climbing partners, dare we say. CRG has it all from yoga classes, lead certifications, squat racks so you don't develop tiny chicken legs after you forget that there are other parts of your body besides your arms and shoulders, and speed walls in select locations. CRG Hadley also has a crack if you're into that kind of thing. Off Ballet would have likely never formed without CRG, so a tip of the beanie for that. Thank you to CRG for supporting Off Ballet and for being so dope to this community. Check out the latest events, classes, and news at centralrockgym.com. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with a local climber who helps oversee the banding, protecting, and research of raptors all across Massachusetts, such as peregrine falcons. That's right, this episode is all about peregrine falcons. I'm sure you've seen signs at crags or closure notices on websites, mountain project, and things like that to respect falcons. He's a wildlife biologist, a climber, a firefighter, and our latest guest, everyone, Jesse Caney. Jesse, thank you so much for being on today. Uh, Thanks for having me. Awesome. All right, so this is a bonus episode, a shorter episode, so we're going to get right into it. Let's talk falcons. I have a bunch of questions, and I'm just going to rapid fire them at you in no particular order, and you can just answer them as best you can. Ready? Okay. Perfect. All right, so where do falcons typically nest? So a falcon nests at uh, just okay. Just get it out of your system. <laughs> a falcon nest site is actually called an airy, and these sites are typically located in high, uh, high up, well protected places such as cliffs, buildings, bridges, things of that nature. Um, so if it's a tall cliff or a building with good food availability, then that's pretty much a good falcon spot. Awesome. Um, how many do we have in the state? So for nests in the state. 
Um, we have somewhere in the range of 40 to 50. Um, not all those sites get banded and some are difficult to monitor. So the numbers can shift from year to year. Um, so it's sometimes really hard to pin down. I just found another nest site a week ago that's actually a couple streets down from me. So that's just another one added. But like I said, it's hard to pin down. So if I were to give a number, I'd say about 40 or 50. And how, uh, see, my turn to mess up. <laughs> um, are peregrine falcons endangered? So falcons have made a tremendous comeback since their near depletion due to DDT. Uh, they are no longer listed as endangered, but here in Massachusetts, we list them as special concern. Special concern means that their numbers are low enough to where if any sort of fluctuation into their habitat um, gets altered, that they could experience a decline in population status. Uh, what other kinds of falcons do we have in the state besides the peregrine? So we hold three species of falcons in Massachusetts, obviously the peregrine. We also have merlins and the smallest of falcons, which are kestrels. And how, could a, how can a climber spot a nest? Uh, so a climber or a pedestrian, it's pretty easy, pretty easy to spot a nest or spot a falcon. You'll typically hear them before you see them. They're pretty loud. They're very vocal birds. If you get within any sort of distance of their territory, they start chirping about. Um, but for climbers, when you're climbing in areas, you can notice the indicative whitewash that they leave, which is their poop, all over the cliffs. And then another great feature that you could probably point out is a mass of feathers. Uh, when falcons get their prey, they either eat them in the air or they bring them to the ground and they pluck the feathers out and eat them there. Um, and they do that typically around where they nest. So you'll find something like a what looks like a bird exploded in an area. And that's a good indication that you found an area that's close to a falcon. I would like to uh, submit the peregrine falcon for most metal bird ever contender. Um, I think you would have a tough component. <laughs> another bird that's pretty metal. Oh, what's the other bird? Uh, the bearded vulture, which consumes bones. Oh, that is metal. So that's pretty metal. Wow. All right, what other birds nest on the rocks that climbers should be aware of? So falcons aren't the only things that nest on rocks or high up in buildings or anything like that. We've also got other species of birds that do call those areas home. Um, some are not as charismatic as falcons, but they're still things to look out for. Um, two ones that I hold dear to my heart are ravens and black vultures. They use the same areas at different times, um, so just be aware of that. I know at Farley there is a raven's nest close to that climb bandwagon. Um, and people always give that area a wide berth, plus there's whitewash everywhere, so climbing where the bird poops probably isn't the best. Um, but if you do see black vultures in the area, please let me know as I'm going to be working with those hopefully shortly. Very cool. Um, can falcons build their own nests? So falcons don't construct what you would find as a typical nest uh, with sticks and leaves and stuff of that nature. Uh, falcons, as I said, their nest sites are high up in buildings or on cliffs or on bridges. So they make what's called scrapes in the ground. And those scrapes are just little indentations in pea gravel or soil or some sort of substrate of that nature. And uh, they lay their eggs right in that scrape. Um, um, although some of our falcons do occupy raven nests that have either been abandoned or just previously used in where the chicks have fledged. So in certain locations like Sugarloaf, um, those falcons are using an old raven's nest. But that raven's nest is continuously used. So once the ravens fledge, the falcons kind of take in, and that's why that nest kind of has a, a later fledging date compared to our other ones. Oh, I love it. How many babies do they typically have? Uh, so a max clutch, which is the most I think they'll ever have, is five or six. It's very rare that you find anything that's five or six. 
Um, and to my knowledge, I personally have never banded five falcons at once, but I know my coworkers have. Um, the, a normal clutch would anywhere between be, anywhere is between two to four. Um, sometimes the eggs get wet because they're in that depression. If you've got a wet spring, uh, that can ruin the incubation. And then since they're so high up, and sometimes they nest in precarious places, the eggs have the propensity to roll off. So your clutch from four can drop down to one, as I have a, a nest site in Woburn that only has one successful chick. So a group of falcon babies is a clutch? A group of birds, when they lay their eggs, it's called a clutch. Oh, okay. Learning new things. Uh, do they have a natural predator? Um, in Massachusetts, they do have predators. Um, chicks, in general, have a anywhere the numbers show from 60 to like 80% mortality rate. And that's due not only to predation, but to things such as errors learning how to fly. Uh, it's instinctual for birds, but sometimes they do make mistakes and they crash land and people can't get to them. So they end up succumbing to injuries on the ground or they get picked up by a predator on the ground or they die from disease. But natural predators in Massachusetts that would consume a peregrine falcon, most notably would be a great horned owl. Those are voracious birds. <clears throat> They're kind of top tier. Uh, once peregrines get to adulthood, they are pretty slim chances of them being preyed upon. But once again, other falcons will compete with them. They can fight in the air. And if a great horn's big enough and bold enough, they will still go after them. Wow. Um, so what do they eat exactly? Uh, so peregrine hunting is very mesmerizing. Um, they'll eat anything that flies. Although diets have shown that they've consumed insects and mammals on the ground, Typically, they only eat things in the air, and that's because of their hunting style. Um, what they do is they do these things called stooping and diving in the air, and that causes them to either knock a bird out of the air or catch it while it's in flight. So they're kind of geared evolutionary to hunt birds in the air. That's so badass. Um, so falcons are very fast, but just how fast are they? Uh, a falcon, when it's doing its stoop, which is that nosedive, they can reach over 200 miles per hour. I think a recorded one is like 240 miles per hour. And then when they're flying horizontally, they're also extremely fast. And I think they can reach up to 70 miles per hour when they're high flying horizontally. One might say they are fast as fuck, boy. Uh, I believe they are, and correct me if I'm wrong, the fastest animal on the planet? Yes. Yes, they are. Amazing. All right, we do have a couple of, uh, well, we have one listener question, one host question. I should correct that. Um, all right, from at Olivia outside, where are these falcons native to? She says, if not the Acadia area, then how they got there. She was in Acadia when she had last seen them. Uh, yeah, Acadia does falcon closures there, and they do ban those birds there as well. Uh, falcons are native all throughout the world. Everywhere except Antarctica has falcons. So in Acadia, they are native there. But uh, most migrate. Uh, we do have some year-round residents, but a lot migrate to other locations like South America. All right. And uh, at Richard, who we know as our co-host, asks, how do you not startle them when you go to band them? Uh, so falcons do either one of two things that I've noticed when I've gone to band them. They either become extremely quiet when I get near them, or they get even louder and more upset, I guess would be the word to use. Um, so I do I do startle them every time I get there. So it's real, real important for me to be very gentle and calm with them so they don't get too overworked. Birds can overheat pretty quickly, so I try to handle them as little as possible and get them out of their nest and into a safe place as quick as I can. Oh. 
All right, so speaking of banding, what's the point of it? Do the bands have a tracker in them of some kind? So the bands that we use don't have any sort of tracker, but they do do, uh, but certain agencies do track birds with trackers. Uh, we do not. Uh, banding allows us to gain a quick little peek into the bird's life. Uh, individuals such as birders, scientists, or other state agencies can report the bands that we place on these falcons, and that can tell us when they were banded, or how long they've been alive since they were banded, and where they've ended up. Um, so we place a federal and a state band on the bird. Uh, each of those bands have numbers specific to them. So like I said, if a birder is out looking at birds and they see one of the falcons fly by, they can take that number, put it on like the USGS website or call Mass Wildlife and put that number in there and they can tell, or that we can tell them or someone can tell them, hey, that bird was banded at this location X amount of years ago. It was last seen at this state and now it's at this state here. And in state, I mean like Massachusetts or it was in New Jersey or it was from Canada. And when did you start first banding falcons? Uh, I've banded falcons, I think, since 2018. Um, I've banded plenty of other birds, eagles, uh, songbirds, woodpeckers, but falcons since 2018, and they're my favorite bird to band, I think. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, how long does a falcon typically live for? Uh, so a lifespan for a falcon in captivity I think this is a cool fact, and I think I have it right. I might have to Google real quick, but it's 25 years is the oldest falcon that's ever lived. So they've lived almost as long as I've been alive. And then uh, in the wild, 15 years is kind of the norm. But we do have a falcon in Massachusetts that's a male, and he's pushing 19 years old, and he was originally banded in Vermont. And I want to say he was probably banded from the Smuggler's Notch area by uh, Tom French, I'd assume. Um, he's like the falcon god. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, 15 is the the norm, but we do have that outlier of 19, which is pretty cool. I picture an old falcon with, like, a gray goatee, just so wise. So, yeah, exactly. Um, getting on to a more serious topic, have you ever booped a falcon? I have, yes. Oh, my God. Amazing. When I do live streams, people comment and say, can you boop him? And I'll give the nose a little boop. Just a little boop. Um, do you have a favorite falcon or a favorite falcon story? Yeah, so I've got two falcon stories that I like a lot. Um, one of them is scary to me, so I've never banded a falcon before. And I was at a tower in Lawrence at the New Balance facility where we have a nest box. This was the first time I ever banded falcons. It was the first time I ever met uh, an individual that I respect a lot, Tom. And we were banding a falcon in that nest box. And the box is wooden, so you can't see outside of it. And as we approach the box, all you could hear is the repeated slamming of Mama Falcon trying to get to us because I think she knew that we were going to be grabbing our chicks and banding them. And Tom lifted up the box just a little bit to see that that Mama Falcon was not banded, and he wanted to band her. And this is the first time I've ever had to deal with falcons, and in my mind, all I saw was this crazy, angry talon you know beast trying to get to tom with this little box and i'm thinking in my head like you're crazy you want to grab that bird and band it was he wearing gloves and no gloves were worn oh no. my gosh um i didn't even have gloves because i was like oh yeah this is a piece of cake we can do this they're little tiny birds so tom says jesse open the box just a little bit i'm gonna grab that falcon and bring it into the building and we're in this tower, so if the falcon got loose, we'd be pretty much screwed. Because there's the only the only out of that building is either a cellar door that you have to come up from, 
or that little box. So there really isn't much way, any nowhere for that Falcon to go. So Tom, I lift up the box just a little bit so Tom can get his hands through, and then his hands shoot into there, and they shift around for, I don't know, probably 15 seconds. The whole time, I'm just like, this guy's insane. What are you doing? And then all of a sudden, he pulls out the adult Falcon, who is pretty big. These Falcons get, their wingspan is probably about three feet. They stand anywhere from a foot to a foot and a half in height. And they're mean. They, they're talons. If they latch into you, you're not getting them off. And he pulls out Mama Falcon and shoves her into my chest and says, here, hold this. <laughs> and I'm holding an adult Falcon, the first Falcon I've ever held in my life. And it's squeaking about. It's trying to grab me. I'm shuffling around, trying to get its feet in my hand, its talons in my hand so it doesn't grab anyone. <laughs> I think Tom was just trying to feel me out to see if I was going to you know, handle the job or not. But eventually I was... I caught myself and was holding an adult falcon while he's trying to band it. First falcon I ever held in Lawrence. And I was like, holy crap, this is insane. And I really enjoyed it a lot. It was fun. And then uh, another one, my second falcon banding, I was obviously super nervous. This required me to repel off a quarry in Woburn. And as I'm repelling down, um, I'm being coached by Tom. He's got a spotting scope and he's saying, Hey, you're getting closer, 15 feet, 20 feet, or, you know, 20, 15 feet, 10 feet. You're getting there, you're getting there. And then he's like, all right, you're there. And I'm on this rope, and I'm rappelling off this ledge. And I'm, I don't know, I'm probably about 70 feet in the air. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, I don't, I don't see him, Tom. And I'm on a radio with him, and he's like, they're right there, you're on them. And I, they're not making any noise, so this is where they do that. Either a lot of squawking, or they don't do a thing. And I'm like, where are they? And I'm looking around, looking around, and he's... On the radio, he's like, you're about to step on them. And I lift up my foot, and about an inch from stepping on these falcons was my foot. I was <laughs> very close to squishing these little things. And underneath my boots were these little marshmallows, is what they look like about three weeks. They're just these little balls of fluff. And they were all huddled down, all next to each other, under like this little gregarious bunch. And in my mind, I'm like, holy crap. I almost just squished these birds. And down at the bottom, there's probably about 40 people with cameras in videos there's the press there and i'm like god i'm about to be ostracized from the wildlife community because i just squished these falcons on camera but thankfully i lifted my boots and was like oh holy crap here they are and uh yeah, that was a good time and on that also banding and those falcons were mom and dad were super aggressive and they kept trying to slam into me so that was a uh, also another thing i had to deal with wow i feel like you just answered my next question, which is, are they gentle and easy creatures to handle? Uh, well, the babies can be, and they sometimes can't be. So I guess that's a terrible answer. Might um, be a terrible question. <laughs> depending on how old they are, I guess, is really what dictates how aggressive they are. Um, obviously, they have an innate you know, sense to defend themselves, even as young. Uh, but I banded one of the most aggressive birds, which was only about four weeks old, on a bridge uh, I think about two weeks ago and that bird all it did was try to grab me and it continued to bite me and it was just very very grumpy is pretty much the best way I could put it and then I think a week ago I banded one of the most relaxed birds which I actually thought was going to be super aggressive due to its age it was about five weeks which is kind of pushing the banding window for them because they're about to fledge at that point and they're pretty big um, so that bird was pretty calm so sometimes their dispositions change as adults, they tend to always be grumpy. Birds in urban settings tend to be a lot more aggressive, though. I've been struck multiple times by birds in, you know, urban areas, less so in the more uh, forested landscapes, like on the cliffs, 
I think it's just because of the human interaction that they're exposed to out in, you know, cities like Boston, opposed to the cliffs in like Farley or Sandusfield or something. If you see a, this is kind of off the cuff, I guess, but if you see an adult falcon, like diving at you, do you even have time to react? No, um, kind of, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, you you do. Um, I'm always prepared. When I first started this, I obviously wasn't prepared, but they told me, hey, keep your hands up, the Falcons, it's going to dissuade them. Or, (laughs) oddly enough, sometimes people bring, well, they'll bring, like, pool noodles, and they'll (laughs) fry them in the air, and that dissuades them from hitting me. But I always just have my guard up when I'm doing any sort of the nest, because I know all of a sudden... Out of nowhere, they'll be there. They, they won't make a noise. They'll just be as silent as can be, and then they'll just be, as, you know, on the radio, Dave or Tom will say, hey, it's right next to you. And then by the time I react, it's flying an inch in front of my face. I'm like, holy crap, that thing almost hit, almost got me that time. So I try to stay on, uh, try to keep my head on alert was when I do these things, because getting hit with a fal- by a falcon isn't fun. It doesn't sound it. Um, do you have a favorite falcon fact? Um... Uh, yeah, I think fal- a cool falcon fact is just that their name, I believe, means wanderer. I think that's really cool, and just that the distance that they can go. I read somewhere, and <clears throat> I'm terrible at doing this. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I get into this zone where I'll just spend all day researching something, and I'll just lose the whole my whole day because I'll just spend it all looking up some random thing. And then sometimes when it's important, I just take what I read once at face value, and I don't do any research, and I'm like. It makes no sense. But I read somewhere that a falcon traveled like 15,000 miles, which is an impressive feat at one time. Um, I'm sure it stopped, but I think that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah. I mean, the average American drives 12,000 miles per year, so just think about that. Um, It's a lot of podcasts that falcon must have listened to. Um, What threats do peregrine falcons face? Uh, So as the case with most wildlife, um, the main threat that falcons specifically face is just habitat loss. Um, although it's kind of counterintuitive, I'm not sure if that's the word, because as we spread out as a human society, we put up more buildings and more bridges, which falcons in turn utilize as nests. So they're pretty opportunistic in that aspect. But still, we're, we're pushing them away from their natural habitat, which are those cliffs. Um, and then being scared off cliffs is also another thing that which I guess you could consider as a threat. But a more direct threat uh, could be just people shooting them, any sort of poaching, stuff like that. Uh, as odd as it is, those things do happen. People do poach animals, and somebody might see a falcon and think, oh, that's a terrible bird that's around my chickens or something like that, and they try to get rid of them. Um, so stuff like that, I think, would be their threats. Their biggest threat ever was DDT, um, which was the threat of most birds of prey, essentially, um, that compounding effect that it had. Um, but since the banning of DDT in 72, recovery efforts have flourished with most birds of prey, and falcons are no different. So right now they're doing very well, and they're definitely on the upward trend. Um, well, that is great. Uh, how can climbers help respect these birds more? Uh, the climate community does a fantastic job right now with uh, respecting these birds, and a lot of the sites that I find, uh, I actually don't even find them. Climbers tell me about them. Um Shane Burke has helped me a lot, and he's a great climber, and he's found a couple of the nests for me and has assisted me with a few of these nests. Um, but climbers in general are just great. They, I think they have that um, deep-down care and interest in conservation and wildlife because they love to be outside so much. 
So the climbing community is a great steward just in general for falcons. As they're out in the areas where the falcons nest, they have their eyes up. The falcons are always squawking about. So I always rely on, you know, people from the WMCC or just people that climb at the gyms, even when they're not even um, climbing in an area. I've had individuals that are climbers that have noticed the falcons at like Sugarloaf and they've sent me a message saying, hey, I think I, I found a falcon in Cambridge. Does that make sense? And I'll tell them, oh, yeah, that's great. Um, that is a falcon there. And thanks for telling me. And they say, oh, the only reason I knew is because of the closures and all the information people put out about them. So I think it's a, a, two, a great, you know, uh, a good effort that we can help educate the climbers and then the climbers already are so educated on it and they can help transpire that, you know, what they see to me or to another individual. And last but not least, tell me about Falcon Cams. Oh, Falcon Cams are awesome. So we have, our Mass Wildlife has, and not just Mass Wildlife, all, a lot of state agencies and federal agencies, and I think even some private groups, have what's called nest cams in falcon boxes. So a lot of the places where falcons nest, like uh, UMass Lowell is a great example. They nest on top of one of their buildings in an artificial box that we've placed up there. In that box, we've got a camera, and in that with that camera, it live streams to um, a feed online that you can get to, just like Google UMass Lowell Falcon Cam. I think it's on one of the UMass websites. Um, even though UMass is, I think, the Riverhawks, but they do have, like, the Falcon as their mascot, so maybe they'll change it. Uh, but, yeah, you can find these nest cams uh, through those websites, and you can watch what happens inside the nest box. Um, just um, th this podcast won't be out long enough to actually get this information out there. But on the 15th, they're banding that UMass wool pair. So you'd actually be able to watch somebody's hands go inside that nest box, grab the chicks, and then bring the chicks back. And then you'll see that they have uh, jewelry on them and the little bands. It's actually pretty cute. Um, but there's a couple of nest boxes that have them. So if you keep your eyes out, you can just watch the chicks grow, watch them get fed. And it's it's a pretty cool experience. It really helps connect you with what uh, what we're doing. It's a lot better to actually watch these things than it is to read about them or listen to them. Because when you watch them, you can actually put you know a name to a face or something like that. And you can appreciate it a lot more. Okay, so I think that is it for my speed round questions. So, Jesse, thank you so much. Um, now is a great time to think about your local crag. What kind of wildlife lives there? Between the trails, the cliffs, and the wilderness around, there are tons of species that live where we choose to recreate. So next time you're out at the crag, be mindful of where you're walking, hiking, and climbing. You just might be in someone else's home. Thanks for tuning in to our first ever bonus episode. Catch you next time. Thank you. Off Play Podcast is sponsored by Hammer and Hops Brewing Company and Central Rock Gym. Our hosts are Rich Wallette, Mara Brown, and me, Michelle Bourget. The shows are produced by me, and our intro song and audio editing are both credited to Mara Brown. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Off Play Podcast.